All right, guys. Sorry, I just got myself all sorted out there and uh, making sure I had um, some water as well because uh, one thing I found with these uh, crypto pig talks, uh, especially on Clubhouse, is uh, just how much talking. Um, well, actually, to be fair, I don't have to do too much talking, but <laughs> it's good to have a bottle of water nearby. Uh, anyway, um, hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I see we've got Hart there in the uh, in the audience. We just need to bring Hart up onto the stage. Brilliant. That's great. Hi, hi, Hearts. How are you doing? I'm all right, James. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, we've got uh, Loreana there as well. Hi, how are you doing? Good afternoon, guys. Um, uh, good evening to some. Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. Yep. In international audience and international speakers. <laughs> it is all over the place, isn't it, time-wise? Where, where, whereabouts are you based then, Loreana? I am in the mountains of um, Asheville, North Carolina. You're in the mountains of where, sorry? Uh, Asheville, North Carolina, very close to... Oh, North uh, Carolina. Okay, yeah. nice. Is it, is, it, is it nice there? It is. Uh, we have a really nice weather today, so it's a beautiful, beautiful afternoon. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, it's actually been we've we've been fortunate enough here in the UK to have some nice weather this week as well. Um, if you, I don't know if you've been to the UK before, but the weather is very unpredictable and it's not always <laughs> <laughs> it's not always too nice. Yes, it is known. <laughs> you guys are known for your rainy days. Um, That's uh, right. Sounds sounds good. Um, thank you very much for inviting me. I, I am um, uh, very happy to be here. Oh no, I'm glad to have you here. That's really great. It's, I think it's always good to get um, other influencers in the space on board to come and talk about their experience in, in crypto um, and also to bring the sort of, you know, uh, the view from it more from the consumer side. You know, we've got people obviously like Hart, who are co-founders of projects and Sinjin as well. But I think it's really important as well to have people like yourself on to talk about it more from the side of people who are investing. And, you know, obviously you've, you've been in the space as an influencer, You've got a you've got a good idea of what people are interested in, um, what they think about this stuff. So great to have you on board. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Hart, whereabouts, whereabouts are you based at the moment? I'm right now in uh, Whistler, Canada. Uh, ah. in the mountains, which is you're, not so you're, bad. you're in the mountains as well. Yeah, <laughs> lots of mountains. Uh, well, that sounds sounds good. Sounds good. And uh, we've got Sinjin there in the chat too. How are you guys doing? Very good, thank you, Sinjin. Whereabouts are you at the moment, then? Uh, I'm between uh, New York and uh, Vermont as well. It's the winter time, so it's always good to ski. Ah, brilliant! Sounds good. Sounds good. We got all. We got Ollie as well. Ollie's in the chat. Hello, Ben. How's it going? <laughs> James, going well. How are you? I'm not bad, thank you, James. Yeah, James, you're... I'm just James. I'm just adding a few people because um, you know, just notify their followers that they're on. Ollie, Ollie doesn't want to speak, but I made him join. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> because he, he's, he's trying to get his project out and do some work. But um, if you see anyone, I'd get added in. That's what it is. Okay. All right, nice one. Thank you, mate. Thanks. Cheers. All right, brilliant. All right, well, I'll just let a few people come and join into the uh, into the audience and and that, and uh, and we will get cracking into it. Today's subject, of course, is about DeFi. Uh, what DeFi projects do we think are set to explode? Um, what can we expect from DeFi moving forward? Um, and could this be the end of the banks? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I know that there'll be some interesting opinions on that as well, but I think it's really important. I think we'll also touch on uh, scalability issues with Ethereum at the moment, because obviously we've seen a lot in the news about the rise of Binance Smart Chain, uh, which is kind of like really sort of taken off this week's especially. Um, and I think it'd be good to chat about that, what the implications are. Um, and yeah, and what, what we can look forward to from the space and of course from the projects that uh, individuals in the chat here are, are actually working on. So that's the plan for tonight's uh, tonight's talk. Um, and uh, I guess I should just get started with introducing everybody. I'll start with myself, of course. So my name is James Stoppard. I am a cryptocurrency trader. I've been involved in the space, kind of involved in it from 2014. I didn't really take it on too sort of um, properly back then. 
although I was, you know, first starting to get interested in it back then. But it wasn't really until 2017, the beginning of that year, that I started to uh, really get into trading and buying up crypto. I made lots of money in 2017, lost lots in 2018. <laughs> a similar story for a lot of people, but I'm still here made it through the bear market and i'm obviously glad to see uh see some some uh you know return to the green as they say uh so um my first guest tonight is crypto loriana um crypto loriana is uh a, a, a nft artist a influencer in the space um maybe you could tell us a bit about what you've been up to um just like a quick intro to yourself and what you've been doing I'm having a problem with the microphone sometimes. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, mainly uh, I am focused on on the entire amazing um, NFT market. Um, I not only by creating art, but also all the implications and everything that can be be done with it. Um, I treat NFT uh, market as a blank canvas, and I'm very excited to to dive deep into it and explore more, learn not only on the art side, but all the other parts like music, um, writing, anything that can be uh, dragged under that category. Um, and as far as projects, I do have some uh, good relationships that I'm starting with a uh, gaming industry and creating the characters for the games they're recently um under development or already somewhat developed but the artistic side of it is is going to be very exciting that sounds that sounds amazing uh i will ask you because uh you're obviously a very interesting person you've got some interesting hobbies uh, or passions i should say um I, and uh, i i did see that you're apparently an aspiring alchemist i was going to say that uh, if you had a list of the most interesting passions and hobbies, that would probably be near the top, wouldn't it? <laughs> it is. I do believe that once you dive into the rabbit hole and 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 start exploring and and go into books and different sources where you're trying to find out what it you know what the what this world is really about, somewhat you're gonna end up at in an alchemy level, um, which I'm exploring. Uh, for the last 10 years. So I think it's inevitable to 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 touch on that as well. I, I, I like that. And I, I guess um, hopefully you'll bring some of that, uh, some of that, you know, uh, skill to, into the crypto space and some of the projects that you uh, get to touch will turn into gold as well. I'm sorry, it's a terrible joke. But <laughs> it is, no, you, you made a great point. Um, whenever you're creating a character in a, in a game, the lore is is you know like the character's history, so to speak, and and these these um, entities, let's say, they do rely on that creation that is a little bit deeper than just saying, oh, this is Tom, and Tom can shoot uh, fireballs. Yes, so yeah. Is, that I'm also diving into that just because it's. It's very connected to the NFT um, game character creation. Ah, okay. A little hint at what you're working on. I like that. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your intro. That's great. Uh, okay, now I will go over to Sinjin David Young, uh, Managing Director of IBMR.io. That's the International Blockchain Monetary Reserve. Um, and you've been working on some interesting stuff and, and quite low key. I mean, you haven't really been sort of overly hyping uh, your project, have you, Sinjin? But it does sound pretty pretty interesting let us know about what you've been doing there uh yeah we're just really focused on uh more like the financial inclusion thing and we've been building out a entire ecosystem for it and uh, the reason why we're low-key is just because you know when you're building out an ecosystem and you know you're trying to create all that kind of functionality it's it's not really a very sexy story because you know it's it's, it's an ecosystem play it's a really kind of more macro play where you know we're kind of focusing on um microfinance and instead of really looking at just micro loans, but micro equity and, and micro assets and micro asset management where, you know, if you make a dollar or something like that, I mean, if you think about investing that or getting interest on it, it's, it's ridiculous, right? You'll get nothing. Even if you're like in the United States, anything less than five to $10,000 is not really enough for you to get a, you know, worth uh, investing in. But 
you know, with cryptocurrencies and the way that we can tokenize things, we're, we're trying to create a system where, you know, even if you have a dollar that you could still get 10% or 12% interest on. And I think that's where it's really exciting. And so these are the kind of things that we've been working on more for, more for like the emerging markets rather than, you know, the developed markets. And I think cryptocurrency has very different use cases in both. Uh, but I think the long term, I mean, where it's going to have the greatest amount of impact will, really will be these developing emerging markets. So those are the kind of things we're working on. And, you know, again, focused on really direct to the individual rather than any agency or anything like that. And, you know, we've been lucky because we're self-funded and, uh, you know, we've been working with Algorand. And so they've been giving us a lot of support technically as well. Um, so we've just been able to do our thing and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be able to launch basically an entire ecosystem as, uh, you know, we move forward. So it sounds amazing. Uh, uh, I mean, it ties in nicely with today's um, subject anyway, because, of course, you've got a focus on uh, Southeast Asia. Um, and I noticed you, you mentioned that, uh, especially on sort of previous chats you've done with people, you talk about um, how it's more of a social, uh, like a social, uh, forget the right term for it, but it's about uh, building up social equity uh, for people um, in Southeast Asia, focused on urban working poor, I remember you saying before. Um, so I think that this, yeah, it's going to be interesting to get your, your opinions on this uh, tonight. Uh, now we've got, uh, of course, Hart Lamber, who is the co-founder of UMA, or the Universal Market Access, a DeFi project, uh, which is bringing, uh, basically bringing derivatives trading to uh, a decentralized um, uh, into a decentralized um, form. So maybe Hart, you could uh, tell us a bit about UMA um, and uh, your role there. Yeah, sure, James. I mean, um, I like the word alchemy. I think what we're doing really is yeah. uh, in some ways, um, it is alchemy, financial alchemy, where what we are, um, what our protocol does is take one uh, form of collateral uh, and transforms it um, into another, into a derivative token. So we take like ERC20, we take tokens as they form exist today. We define some payout function um, and we create a derivative token that tracks uh, something else that's backed by that collateral. Um, and the broader implications for what we're trying to do here is create a protocol that really allows for, um, well, our name, universal market access, allows for uh, forms of risk to be universally accessible to anybody that has um, an internet connection and some form of digital money. And I think that's the, uh, the crazy thing that all this crypto stuff lets us do. It lets us create financial products and services that are by default global in nature. I, yeah, I I I, love, I agree with you on that. I think that that's definitely the approach that you know most, if not all, projects want to take is this idea that we're reaching out, um, you know, we're reaching out to the to the more global market. We're trying to to break down borders in finance, and of course, derivatives is something that's not. Uh, super well, not super easy to kind of uh, manage to to do that. I mean, we we look at the projects we've got um, in terms of decentralized finance. Um, a lot of them are de you know DeFi exchanges, uh, but I think that UMA, as far as I could see, is pretty much the only one trying to bring derivatives to the market. Is uh, I mean, I might be wrong there, but uh, you're doing something very different from uh, the rest of the pack. Um, what I wanted to do. Uh, quickly, though, before we go any further, is for anybody in the audience who doesn't know about what DeFi actually is, uh, maybe Hart, you could give us like a, a proper top level, you know, very easy to understand, quick um, explanation of what DeFi is. Sure. Uh, I'll, uh, so I'll do my best, James, but um, we stands for decentralized finance. And the way I look at it is we are... Um, trying to figure out a way to write uh, or to create financial products and services um, that are enforced by a blockchain um, in a decentralized way, rather than being enforced by uh, a centralized authority or really the way most financial products and services are traditionally created, they're enforced by um, each country's legal jurisdiction. So yeah. that's, that'd be kind of my high level but nerdy definition. <laughs> well, no, it's good. Though. It's good. I mean, exactly. It is it's bringing sort of that finance, um, making it decentralized, making it accessible, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it is one of those things. I think we have at the moment is DeFi is very new um, to 
to our space, let alone to people outside of crypto. Um, and um, one of the things that um, I think maybe a problem at the moment is how complicated it looks to people, right? At the moment, you know, to get into DeFi, you obviously have to get on to an exchange, you find your fiat gateway to buy your crypto, and then you maybe go to a platform uh, like uh, uh, Uniswap or something like that. Um, and there's lots of different layers and levels to it. Um, what's, um, what do you, I mean, this, this is open to anybody in the chat here, but what, uh, do you think we need to do more of what direction do we need to go in to make this more accessible? Because right now it's actually kind of complicated for even people in the space. One answer is time. Some of this stuff just takes time too, James. Um, yes. And, and, you know, it's, it's financial education um, is a problematic thing in traditional finance too. Um, and frankly, I think we can make another interesting argument that a lot of the things that pull people um, into any sort of financial service, DeFi, centralized finance, whatever, a lot of it is, is, is actually kind of maybe some bad qualities. It's like greed or curiosity or people wanna make money. Um, and unfortunately, I think this can be a very dangerous thing where people, people get drawn in um, by the prospect of making returns, um, but at least they learn something in the process. And I think financial education is very much a spectrum and very much a process um, here. But I'd argue that like DeFi is early, it's super complicated. The user experience is awful, um, but people are interested and they're attracted by crypto. They're attracted by the boom bust cycle in crypto. Um, and I think that if we're like cautious, or at least if we're upfront about the risks, it's a good opportunity for people to learn. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, it's definitely about getting people educated. And I really like the point you made there about it's not even just in crypto. We have a problem where people aren't financially literate when it comes to their everyday finances, let alone crypto as well. It's a really good point, Art. Um, and actually, I'd like to get Sinjin's opinion on this one because obviously with, um, with what you're doing um, with your token, ARCC, the Asia Reserve Currency Coin, is about getting people who are not necessarily, uh, you know, they're not necessarily sort of well-educated people. They're people who are maybe working um, low-paid jobs in Southeast Asia. Um, it'd be really great to get your opinion on that as well, Sinjin. Yeah, you know, I think uh, just a couple of quick points on that. You know, um, where DeFi is at right now, I think it's a great place because it's a lot of experimentation. And I think that experimentation has to happen with people who are very literate with uh, the financial space because you're creating these new financial instruments without necessarily any oversight, uh, you know, with oracles that may or may not be kind of working depending on like how many sources of, you know, information it actually has. And, you know, and we're seeing that, you know, a lot of DeFi protocols, you know, they are being exploited, not necessarily because smart contract is wrong, it's because, you know, the way it's set up and how it's, you know, can manipulate in terms of, you know, the price feeds and stuff like that. And I think it's just going to take some time, but it's good that it's it's this complicated so that those people who are really understanding the risks and can navigate the space can be in it. And it's exciting stuff. I mean, it's, you know, if you think about the where we were in the DeFi space, where you had, um, you know, Uniswap just kind of moseying along and, and doing all right, and then SushiSwap coming up, and then, you know, uh, Uniswap coming back with a, you know, with a bang, and, and this is all happening within, you know, whatever, what was it, uh, like... June, July, August, and then it was kind of over and then it's kind of like, you know, burst wide open again. And I think it's great. But for like the emerging market, I mean, the thing about with crypto that's always been very difficult from what I've seen is that it's so interdisciplinary, you know, like, so you can know about like finance, but you really got to know finance. You, you got to know about networks. You got to know about understanding, you know. Um, you know, you know, that we're at the protocol layer and then monetary policy. And so there's just so much added. Uh, for us, though, when you look at emerging markets, they're the farthest thing away from finance. I mean, where, you know, in Southeast Asia, probably 60% of people don't have a bank account, right? Or at least they don't have one that has a balance over like $10. Like $1 ATM fee is, you know, brutally expensive. But then if you say to them, well, you know, you could use like even Algorand and you could pay like 13 cents, but do they have like 
a mobile, you know, smartphone that would be able to be online all the time. You know, no, they're like using Wi-Fi. So for me and, you know, DeFi in emerging markets, um, it's really about direct accessibility. So, you know, we talk about um, during COVID right now, and we talk about how we get stimulus checks out in the States and, you know, central bank digital currencies came up because, you know, you wouldn't have to give it to you know, the federal banks, the you know, commercial banks, and then go through these intermediaries like the, you know, the Federal Reserve could directly give stimulus if it was in, you know, a central bank digital currency form directly to the population instantaneously. You wouldn't have to wait for it. So things like that are really exciting to me in terms of not necessarily uh, like creating new financial instruments or having less intermediaries um, in that respect. Um, it's more about like really going directly to the uh, individual and the individual kind of getting access to something that, they, you know, they haven't had at all. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's a really good point, actually, about the experimentation in space as well. Um, and I guess that makes a lot of sense, you know, if, if, we, if we're already sort of getting in loads of people that don't understand how things work, then um, it may be that, that that would actually be detrimental to uh, the development of DeFi projects in that, uh, you know, we actually would put people off of being in, in that, you know, coming into DeFi, because of the sort of risks that are associated with it at the moment. And you know, what's really ironic is that, you know, you have all these CFI, uh, like major exchanges, and they're always like saying, you know, like our process is very like diligent and like thorough and stuff like that. And then when the DeFi, you know, uh, market really kind of hit up, right? And then they started listing all these DeFi coin projects, like <laughs> 10 of them in like one day. And so yeah. a lot of like, yeah, the access that would have not been possible was made possible. And then they're just like throwing like logs onto this fire of experimentation and just went nuts. And, and um, you know, and, and CZ was so happy uh, what happened with BNB and, uh, you know, PancakeSwap. I mean, this guy was over the moon and he was like, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan of Uniswap. Uh, and, uh, you know, and he's just needling, uh, what is his name? Um, the founder Hayden or whatever, uh, just like out of the blue, you know, um, it's just, <laughs> it's just funny shit. You know? um, yeah. We, we, we are going to talk about actually the buying that smart chain, the rise of that in a moment. Well, I want to quickly get um, Loriana's um, view on DeFi. What, what's your experience been with DeFi? Have you, have you played with it? Have you, have you found anything that you enjoy using? I am yes, I am a big fan. I'm currently using and ex learning um, Binance Smart Chain and diving into the academy. But I usually skip the reading and go straight to to trading. Um, I'm a big biggest fan of um, Pancake Swap at this moment, and I'm just experimenting with all those. But wanted to to go back a little bit to your previous question and. I believe in the uh, implementation of all the smart contracts and DeFi uh, through force, through fun. And just to give you an example, in blockchain games, when you um, play the game, you gather different items that are worth um, money. Uh, for example, engine games, uh, where you're actually collecting these items in order to get them off um, and get them through your wallet, uh, you almost have to dive into the smart contract structure mm -hmm. in a sense in order to, to get that money in the end. So forcing um, users uh, to learn about DeFi, about smart contracts through fun is also a way to do it. And I think um, a lot of companies are going to be building on, upon that. The, the sort of gamification of of the of things i i i think that's a very interesting look at it because like you said you you didn't bother really too much with the reading side of it you just jumped in there you wanted to get going a lot of people have that kind of feeling don't they where they don't want to wait they want to kind of just learn by doing and yeah it's a great point i mean if you can gamify it then you can certainly make it more enjoyable to learn um and it does 
like you said, bring people into the space. I think we'll see that with NFTs especially. I mean, one thing that we've been talking about um, on Twitter a lot um, at the moment is the fact that the the actual proper art world, I say, I'm, I'm using inverted commas here, but I say proper art world, uh, they're waking up to NFTs now, aren't they? Obviously with the Christie sale of uh, people's work, um, people are kind of like in the traditional art collection world are getting very excited about NFTs. And that's drawing them into crypto and blockchain, which I suppose they weren't interested in before, many of them. And that is also true, Horst. If you're an artist, you know, based on the Copyright Act, uh, you pretty much uh, are limited to, you know, the distribution of the second, third sale on the artwork. If you're an artist and you care about your pieces and how they are being distributed after the initial sale, you're going to have to dive into... Um, uh, to to NFTs and protect that. So that's another way of learning, you know, um, being almost forced to do that. So we'll see yeah. we'll see how it develops. I I do believe it's it's just very exciting to to see um, the whole market lifting up. Um, and I believe it's a almost hundred billion uh, dollar. The whole NFT market is uh, maybe in 10, 15 years. Uh, going to develop to that point. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right there with that. The NFTs are going to be a big thing. And actually, it's interesting how it all ties in with, with DeFi, uh, because, of course, uh, NFTs and DeFi are sort of almost a perfect match. We're seeing that with uh, insurance products um, and things like that being, uh, you know, added to DeFi. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of developments all happening at the moment, which I feel are all like, kind of like they're not happy accidents they're all consequences of each other but they're kind of coming together at almost the perfect timing uh, it feels like we're kind of getting to that point where everything is starting to make sense in the blockchain world uh, and even though we have lots of different chains and lots of different platforms even there it feels like things are sort of starting you know interoperability is becoming a very important uh, important part of uh, blockchain projects now um, so I think that it's very interesting how it's all kind of coming together this year um, and actually it would be a good one to ask um, actually for heart um, will be about um, what you see as being the future of DeFi, uh, where do you think it's going? I mean, because obviously UMA is built on Ethereum. Um, have you guys got any plans? I mean, lots of people are moving over to a Binance Smart Chain because of the whole gas fees issue. Um, what, what's UMA's stand on it? What's your official stand on it? And what's your personal feelings on, on where things are going there with the fees and everything? My official stand, huh? Um, I, I... <laughs> I, I think, uh, so I'm not a maximalist about anything, um, sure. uh, which I actually think is actually unusual for this space. Um, uh, I will, like, there's just a few kind of obvious things here where Binance Smart Chain is cheap because it has less usage and because it's highly centralized. Yeah. Um, if a lot of people move to Binance Smart Chain, Ethereum will be cheap again. Everything is kind of like a big equilibrium process here. And the simple fact is that like demand for um, Ethereum outstrips its ability to uh, to process the transactions right now. That's like a good thing. It's a sign of success. And I, I think it's worth um, people remembering that. Um, and the other thing that's uh, really important is like uh, people go where the assets are uh, and the assets have been on Ethereum. It doesn't mean they stay there. The things you can buy and sell have been on Ethereum. And that's why the gas fees are where they are right now. So um, scalability and growth, I think it's just one of those things that it's like, it's a multi, it's a, it, there's no one solution. It's all these little things that add up to making um, DeFi work. And it's gonna exist on different chains. It's gonna exist um, on layer twos on Ethereum. It's gonna exist in all kinds of places. Uh, I think it's hard, you'd be hard pressed to imagine a world where Ethereum is not a big part of it. Um, but I almost look at like Binance Smart Chain as just, um, it's a scaling solution for Ethereum right now. It's, <laughs> I like the way you ended that there. With, <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, it's an, it, one thing I would say is that uh, I did touch on this last week in my last um, crypto big talk was about the fact that people obviously moving over to buy a smart chain. Uh, but 
like you said, it is centralised. It's very centralised. And uh, I mean, I guess at the moment, people want to be able to just run their out of their dApps um, and do the transactions cheaply. But do you, you know, we do have to remember there's going to be the rollouts uh, with the roll up, sorry, um, and other things happening on Ethereum, which are going to speed up those transaction fees. But I do like your point there, which is that the only reason people are moving over uh, to, to buy a smart chain is because they want to use Ethereum, but it's just too too uh, busy <laughs> as a network. Um, so yeah, I mean, do you do you see Binance Smart Chain being an actual threat, or is it actually kind of a healthy thing that we're seeing um, these other other chains getting some attention? Because a part of me thinks it's going to be a way to kind of motivate um, other chains to to kind of push the, the you know push the development forward on their projects and also Ethereum as well. Totally, like competition is what drives this world forward, you know, um, in a, in a certain way. So this is just like. Ethereum is there and they're losing business because they're so popular, it costs too much to use Ethereum, um, <laughs> if you look at it that way, right? Yeah. So it's like Ethereum has a good problem right now, um, but uh, the competition just forces, like the the momentum to find layer two scaling solutions or just to find scaling solutions for, for, for crypto in general is so intense um, it's so intense right now. And that's because the market demands it like, and they demand it not in a year's time, they demand it right, right now. So I think the competition is like only good for the space. Um, and, I, I, again, I, I think it's like really difficult to predict where all this stuff goes, but, um, it's all forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It is. It's, it's all pushing forward. Do you, um, do you, Oh, uh, Lorianne, yeah, could jump in, please. Um, I just wanted, I think we're going to see more and more projects like Affinity, uh, for example, from from Engine, when when they're building upon the existing ERC uh, standards. So I think competition is good, and hopefully um, we're going to get these fees lower. That's what really the use, and, end user cares about. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it is true that this, that at the moment, it is those fees that are putting everybody off of uh, things. Um, and once we see that reduce, then, yeah, I mean, I, I one thing I can't see is I, most developers, uh, you know, they're developing for Ethereum, they're using the EVM, they've learned Solidity. Um, so for a lot of them, they feel comfortable with Ethereum. Uh, so I guess the layer two solutions will be the kind of way forward, I believe, um, until, of course, Ethereum 2.0 is properly out and and running properly. Um, Senjin, you, you, um, what's your thoughts on the smart chain uh, and scalability of Ethereum? You know, uh, we've always concentrated on uh, development. And so actually... We started our project back in like 2017 and we started uh, looking obviously and architecting out for Ethereum and, uh, you know, you know, the narrative of what cryptocurrencies are ha has changed so much over the years, whether it's like transactional or store of value or, you know, supply chain management or whatever, whatnot. But we were very clear that, you know, we wanted a very accessible, you know, um, highly transactionable um you know, cryptocurrency and um, and we want to build on it as well. And the greatest thing about Ethereum is that the way that it's structured as smart contract with everything on chain um, is that, you know, it's it's basically whatever you imagine and you want to build a rocket ship, you can build a rocket ship. Unfortunately, that rocket ship is on uh, train tracks. Right. And, it, you know, unless we get quantum computing like the way that it is right now, you know, it, it just wasn't going to be a viable uh, way forward for us who and we wanted to kind of get the impact right away um, and you know but the beautiful thing about ethereum is that you know whatever your imagination is i mean it's just it's just great um and yeah it's it's ironic the more popular it gets the the you know the higher the price gets and you just can't use it um and it's so it's, it's almost this current curse so you know i i'm very hopeful for ethereum uh, you know 2.0 and and the proof of stake and then for us though then a couple years later then uh, you know binance uh, chain had launched and you know we know all know it's like um what it is it's off the cosmos but because of centralization you don't get like a full idea of 
you know, where is it centralized exactly? You know, where, you know, what, you know, the, you don't get a full idea of what everything is. And for us, that wasn't acceptable. You know, um, there are certain things that you will do for user experience that has to be centralized if you want to kind of launch something right now. So like the, the, but if you, if you want to make it a better user experience, you know, you are going to centralize a lot more functionality, like how things like the storage or what, you know, how, how things interact with the wallet or so on and so forth. And it's like only two clicks instead of like five clicks or whatever like that. Um, but we weren't comfortable with that. And then finally we ended up in Algorand, um, which, you know, we found from our, from our tech side had really solved that kind of trilemma issue of the scale and speed and, you know, the, the, the number of transactions that were possible and the security. Uh, but they, you know, when we had gone and started working with them, they hadn't launched their main net yet. yet. And then when, once they launched it, you know, we had to wait for some time before they launched their version of a smart contract. But unlike Ethereum, like the storage is off and computing's off, uh, off chain, which is great, but it's limited. And so like something that if we wanted to copy that something on uh, Algorand right now that we want to do on Ethereum, we'd have to like insert like, I don't know, like three times as many steps to kind of get it done. And, you know, we're just kind of at the early stages of that. And so, you know, I think, you know, if you want to say like, what are like the, I guess, three killer apps right now is really, you know, Bitcoin on in of itself, stable coins and, and possibly, um, you know, the, real excitement that's happening, I guess, well, for the NFTs and, and with what's happening in DeFi in, in the sense that, you know, you can be so creative and, you know, and all this creativity comes from Ethereum, like full on, like if anyone says that's not the case, you know, whatever, whatnot, like everything on Binance chain is going to be a clone or something of what's, what's happened or innovation that's coming from like Ethereum full stop. Right. I mean, I don't think anyone can really argue that. Uh, but, you know, again, like people are looking for like the speed of transactions, stuff like that. One Binance chain is more convenient. But, you know, the real heart of cryptocurrency is what I feel is, um, you know, that that aspect of creation. And so I think if you're, you know, if you have a very simple objective like we do, we want to get to market, we want to go to, um, you know, emerging markets, we want to do something transactional. You know, for us, Algorand makes sense. Right. Um, and we feel that we're going to scale with it. But if you are going to end up doing a lot of things that are really decentralized without intermediaries where the code is law and, you know, it's, it's just, you know, decentralized autonomous, you know, you know, vehicle you know, organization, then I think, uh, you know, we're long story short, we're really on track. And I think, uh, you know, these are growing pains, but they're also a period of learning. So I'm, I'm really down with it. But I think, you know, we have such a commercial side to uh, our industry where, you know, it's not about progress. It's just about like gains and going to the moon and, and, and stuff like that. And I think obviously Binance and, uh, you know, a lot of those other, um, I guess, just pure on like crypto traders who are just wanting to have that and have a good narrative. I mean, Binance works for now, but, you know, this industry is is, is definitely built on, on liberty and innovation. So, you know, I, I'm, I don't think the game is over now. I think it's really premature and also... You know, at the end of the day, as uh, Hart was saying that, you know, like as, uh, you know, maybe traffic kind of goes down, then Ethereum has a little bit of a breather, then everyone's like, you know, looking at Ethereum again. And I think the key thing is that it really is right now between Binance and Ethereum, because even if you had DEXs like happen on other chains, you might not have the ecosystem of the coins that are there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like Binance had like a ton of coins that were like going through their own, you know, kind of uh, process that were kind of listed and kind of staying there. Um, and I know a lot of projects uh, before they launch, obviously they launch, you know, a wrapped or, you know, a, you know, a ERC 20 holder before they go on. So, um, yeah, I'm really interested to see, but I think, uh, you know, where the innovation is, um, it's still definitely with uh, Ethereum hands down. Yeah. And like you said, um, when you look at what's moving to Binance Smart Chain, it's all coming from Ethereum. People are developing there and, just moving to smart chain because it's been cheaper um and i like your point there about we are still really super early even now even now especially with DeFi. i mean DeFi is still very very new um and of course you know at the beginning last year when DeFi started to really get attention and started to see some really interesting projects we thought DeFi was all just about yield farming, right? And that was, uh, we thought, oh, that's <laughs> that's all people are going to use it for. But it is much, much more than that. 
Um, and we're seeing that now with some sort of more, you know, much more sort of innovative projects in that space. Now, uh, Sin Sinjin, quickly, are you planning on bringing DeFi to ARCC at all? Um, absolutely. So we are looking to invest in actually uh, one like kind of DEX uh, that's going to come out on Algorand in Q2, end of Q2. And there's maybe a couple of more. Um, I don't know how open the information is, but um, everyone's kind of waiting on another update from uh, Algorand Inc. on the TO. That's the smart contract. Uh, yeah. That's the name of the smart contract language. Yeah. Uh, once that update happens, um, I think you're going to see uh, maybe three or four uh, DEX projects come out. And, you know, DEX is really... If you don't have a decentralized exchange, I mean, then you can't really kick off really a lot of the innovation on 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 the you know the network. But the downside is like we were the first like official ASA, and that's like the equivalent of ERC twenty token on um, Algorand. And so um, there isn't the same level of ecosystem that um, you know Binance Chain has, or like even more so Ethereum. So interesting to see what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, for us, we are. You know, with Algorand and, you know, our our project, I guess, timeline is, is really long. I mean, we're looking at emerging markets, like everything's going to work a lot slower there. So looking in first as, you know, currency and then kind of slowly transitioning to more of a decentralized uh, structure for like all of our products. Um, and we're lucky because we don't raise in the market. And so we're kind of going at our own pace, whereas... I know a lot of times people won't look at anything unless it's as decentralized as possible. Um, and, you know, that makes for like a great story, really exciting and like, you know, five or six X's. But then, you know, when the story kind of dies off, other than like DEX related collateralization, like uh, on the network, you know, building something out like that you're promising, like at that level, it takes a couple of years, you know? So yeah. Uh, you know, then we'll have these lulls and, and booms and busts and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, the great thing about crypto is that it works like three times faster than any other industry. So I'm sure this, <laughs> this period will be. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. true. So it's a fast moving space. Uh, Hart, 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 I wanted to check. Uh, UMA, are you sticking with Ethereum? I know you said you're not an Ethereum maximalist, but have you got plans uh, to to bridge to, you know, to, uh, um, other chains at all? Or what's, what's your plans there? Uh, yeah, I could I could give you a really techie answer here too, but um, basically the whole architecture we have, like we can support very pretty seamlessly um, anything that supports the Ethereum virtual machine, so the EVM, yep. which includes Binance Smart Chain, and uh, yeah. we kind of have a cool design. Well, you know, the, the high level design, the way to think about it is like our platform um, is alchemy to create ERC twenty tokens, really. Um, and although there's some steps involved in creating that, those steps could live on the Ethereum mainnet and we just produce these ERC-20 tokens, which then can get ported or bridged anywhere. Um, and so this will be a little bit of a nerdier response, but I think the ERC-20 standard is one of the most amazing things about Ethereum. And it has so much traction that any other solution is forced to figure out a way to port those assets to their <laughs> chain or their scaling solution. Yep. So in some ways we get a lot of scaling like for free because our ERC 20 assets will can just get ported. Like they can get ported to buy smart, smart chain and they, that those porting technologies are going to get easier and easier and easier. Um, so, so yeah, I think you can also see what's going to happen with a lot of layer twos and a lot of these scaling solutions. Um, you just need like a Uniswap or these AMMs um, to be on a layer two so people can trade the things they want to trade. And that's going to alleviate a lot of the pressure on the Ethereum mainnet. Um, and we benefit kind of out of the box from that. Yep, no, it's brilliant, brilliant to hear. And uh, like you say, it's, it, it's a great, it's one thing to point out, isn't it? That like you said, um, most bridges are to Ethereum that have been developed. Um, so if you're right, and I guess that kind of reinforces the point there that even with Binance Smart Chain getting some attention at the moment, people are still, you know, they still care about Ethereum. It's not going anywhere yet. Um, it may be different if the scaling solutions don't happen, but there's so many of the layer two solutions in development that uh, I can't see it not happening. Um, actually, I wanted to move to the, to the last sort of part of this video which is talking about DeFi. Obviously the point of DeFi is, is you know, 
decentralizing finance, taking the banks or the middleman out of the equation. Um, uh, so, Loriana, do you think that DeFi could be the end of banks? <laughs> I believe that we slowly will will, will move um, towards eliminating that central authority, um, and that's what this whole technology is is going towards. Um, I also believe that there's going to be other uh, beautiful new venues created from from that as well. Um, there's going to be new um, marketing um, uh, legs of, of what we have right now. So, for example, uh, imagine Instagram. Uh, it actually uh, pretty much took your NFTs, going back to NFTs again, which is your, your own pictures and everybody else's, and, and created... Um, uh, it, 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 it's platform. Now all that is going to be, be changing. So I'm excited to see not only the banking system slowly uh, going away, but also emerging new, um, new uh, business um, ideas. It's, um, I like your point about Instagram there. And also it was an interesting point about Instagram, uh, not to go too off topic, is that uh, in their actual contract terms, I believe they're allowed to use your images for marketing purposes without paying you anything, if I remember rightly. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we definitely don't want to be handing over our rights. And I guess NFTs are a great way of us retaining the true ownership of those images. Um, and like you say, there's probably going to be some sort of product products that come out in the future that kind of do that for us, uh, I imagine. Um, what I wanted to quickly ask Hart, actually, I've got an interesting one for Hart about who, you know, who will this DeFi, uh, this DeFi movement, who will it upset? Is this, is this going to upset the banks? Um, because what I wanted to point out to say was that, um, Hart, you used to be a trader, right, for Goldman Sachs. Have you been shunned by your former colleagues uh, when you said to them you're working on DeFi now? No, man, they all love it. They all think it's super interesting. They're all jealous, right? Um, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I worked for, for uh, Goldman's, as, you, uh, as the English like to call it, um, for quite a while. And I, I, I know the bank well. Um, these are just different things. So they're, they're just they're just different. And, and I think the right way to look at it is um, thinking about things being new and different. Um, when the internet came around and you had all these like Time Magazine, right? What the internet didn't do is just put Time Magazine on the internet. You instead had new stuff emerge, blogs and uh, writing and Twitter and all this other kind of new ways of, of communicating um, information emerged. I think it's the same sort of pattern here where the existing paradigm for what financial services are will continue to exist, um, just like Time Magazine continues to exist. Um, but there's new stuff that uh, we can't even quite imagine yet. This is, I think, the cycle of innovation. There's new stuff that emerges um, and it has a different different feature set because there is a, it's a different technology, a different underlying thing. Um, and I think it could be pretty cool. Brilliant. Yes. Um, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're not shunned by your uh, former colleagues, at least. I mean, that's good news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I, I guess I've got the same question for Sinjin as well. Uh, do you, you know, what are your thoughts on this? How will it affect the banking in the banking sector? Um, I think it's, um, I mean, like, if you're talking about like retail banking or like investment banking or like, you know, the, the you know, the, the central banks, I mean, I think it's all really, really different. And I think it will definitely affect, you know, retail, whether it's retail brokerages or retail banks in terms of, you know, more direct access. And I think for um, making them kind of obsolete. Yeah, I think a lot of those services will become more and more obsolete. I mean, you know, the, the entire world is like you look at somewhere like Sweden where they're pretty much cashless at this point. Right. Um, it's not a cryptocurrency, it's a digital currency, but, you know, they have the infrastructure for it. Um, and I think, you know, cryptocurrencies or central bank digital currencies will definitely move that forward. And then what will be the use of retail banks 
uh, you know, consumer facing banks, I think, you know, they will get hit probably the hardest, but like for something like investment banks, it's quite different, right? I mean, in terms of, I think what the biggest benefit of DeFi is, is creating these uh, liquidity mechanisms, right? Uh, whether or not, um, you know, I think the biggest uh, misconception, and this might like kind of offend a lot of people from, but you know, I'm a little bit older. I'm like 46 years old. You know, I was actually a grad student when, you know, the internet boom was happening and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it took me a long time to really understand what decentralization was. Like I would meet these guys and they would be decentralized this, decentralized that. And it took me such a long time to kind of realize that what did they actually mean by decentralization? And I think the thing that kind of really helped me there was, you know, we talk about decentralization um, in terms of like not having intermediaries. And I think that's one part of it, but um, that's like the kind of part where the intermediaries originally were there to kind of organize things. Um, and then we talk about decentralization as tokenizing everything. Let's tokenize real estate, let's tokenize all this stuff. Um, but I think if you talk about decentralization without understanding it's about decentralized networks, then you've missed the entire point, right? You're just grabbing on to decentralization uh, because it seems like things kind of are more accessible or there are less people kind of in the way. But the real power of decentralization is that it's in the form of a network, right? And then when it when it's in the form of this network, I mean, there's just, uh, you know, so much more uh, kind of additional value here. And the biggest value I find is like, you could tokenize all the buildings in Manhattan, right? Uh, but you not find like liquidity for it because it's just not, it's not that kind of market. But with DeFi, like all these liquidity solutions, yeah, I mean, you could create these liquidity pools and, you know, start bundling things and so on and so forth. So it could either go two ways, you know, like it could be like the biggest subprime you know, set up in the entire world where everyone's bundling shit. And um, I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, the DeFi um, kind of movement on, on Ethereum anyways got kicked off with Uniswap when people realized hey, let's bundle a whole bunch of shit coins. And like, you know, if people are willing to like trade with them, then great. And let's, you know, get MakerDAO involved and, and, and everything else like this. And, and uh, you know, and you have these non-performing assets that are kind of performing now slightly, but you're creating these liquidity pools. And I think, you know, when you talk about like the automated uh, marketing uh, market makers and, and like that kind of functionality, I think it's awesome. And I think if that can be applied really well, then you can start to say, hey, you know, like, um, because it's easier to find liquidity or create this liquidity, now we can start tokenizing things and, and, and put it into these liquidity pools. But like on the highest level, you know, when we're talking about like the central banks and, and, and sovereignty with the, the currency and all those other things, um, I think there's two things. It's no longer about the market. It's about like monetary policy and, and, and what that means for your country and, and, and the fundamentals of, you know, uh, you know, the, the basis, the rails of, of the economy in, in your particular country, right? And so I think, you know, we also have to realize that, you know, um, you know, not having the hand of the government in it sometimes, I mean, it sounds like a good theory. And I mean, like, I'm a fairly capitalistic guy. I mean, Milton, you know, I'm, I'm down with him all the way and I'm, you know, I'm all about incentives and all the rest. Right. But like, if you think about like what happened during the pandemic here, right. Um, you know, when the federal government didn't step in, in the United States, when it came to like PPP, uh, PPE supply, right. And it was just a free market. Uh, most of the United States' supply left the country after like four days and went to foreign, um, you know, whatever, uh, buyers because they outbid the domestic states because the state's procurement uh, process wasn't ever going to be as fast as that of, uh, you know, a private company, right? Um, and, you know, this, these are lives, you know, and, and the government had to step in to some degree, which they really didn't do until like more, I guess, more recently. But um, I think when it comes to like monetary policy and stuff like that, um, you know, I don't trust that to experimentation. So, you know, I'd rather have some slow dude, yeah. like, you know, Alan Greenspan. Well, maybe not Alan Greenspan. He's a little bit too. He was, he was kind of out there for being an old guy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he was super like, who cares? Let's just let the market do whatever. But you get what I'm saying? Like, I mean, there's yeah. some things that it's okay. Like something, we need some stability, you know, uh, moving forward and, you know, take those kind of things more step by step, you know? Yeah. I, I like that. I mean, you've, 
not only did you have some exciting ideas in that, but also some some were uh, things to sort of keep in mind and to maybe not worry about. But you know, like I say, not everything should be decentralized because it does mean that perhaps uh, you know there are times when you do need there to be some sort of overall control. Um, I, I guess we've got to use it where it's appropriate. <laughs> I guess so, but you know, it, but you know, it's it's got to be like you know, people throw around decentralized, decentralized, and I don't, I don't really think that they, they get it like when you take away intermediaries when you you know uh you know tokenize things that's not decentralization it's it's when you do the, all those things because it's it's on a network that's decentralized right that's that's secured by you know participatory forces right and and that's what you know makes it like trading on a dex is not decentralization but liquidity pools are the network that makes dex really yeah. move because when you have an auction right without the amm uh then you know how successful are like the decentralized auctions? Not, right? But when you have like more robust AMMs with like liquidity pools with incentive and creating this network effect, that's what's really creating the value behind all of this, right? That's what's creating this value where, you know, these things will go up four or five times X and where people are willing to pay, you know, whatever, $30, $100, you know, whatever transfer fees on Ethereum uh, to just get into like these, like whatever, 10, five, eight, 10 X, you know, gains. Right. It's not the matter that it's decentralized. It's because it's decentralized on a network and that decentralized network is providing this liquidity pool that that is instantaneous, that just happening, even if it takes like seven clicks to happen. The fact of the matter is, if, if there was no Ethereum, if there was no kind of decentralized network at all, there you could do an infinite amount of clicks and it wouldn't happen. Right. Yeah. And, you know, bringing all these things together. So it's just, you know, what's possible, I think, is just amazing at the moment. There's a, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to look forward to in the space. I think I'm going to open up to some questions. So if we bring you up onto the stage, if you could stay muted and I'll introduce you um, and then you can ask your question. I know that we had somebody who was trying to get on. I think it was Mustafa who was trying to jump up and ask a question. Guys, can you hear me okay? Yes, brilliant. Yeah, you've got a question for us. Yeah, so I was just wondering if I could ask Sinjin a question regarding Algorand. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to know, I mean, aside from you mentioned that Algorand had, um, uh, the, basically their technology uh, allowed them to uh, basically uh, solve the scalability issues that Ethereum is facing at the moment. Yeah. I'm wondering, aside from the scalability, what are the other reasons that, that you've chosen to go with Algorand? Because I find it to be quite an exciting project, so I'd really love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, you know, to be honest, like, uh, Algorand is a super boring company, um, and they're like super <laughs> boring people. Um, and <laughs> but I like that, you know, and I think, you know, regulators like that, and I think you know, the crazy thing about it is, is like the more foresight you kind of put into your product on, on the crypto in the crypto industry, the less mm -hmm. sexier it is. So like things like having like the clawback feature and stuff like that, you know, they were designing, uh, you know, the Algorand, uh, you know, chain uh, really for this kind of like macro, you know, sovereign mm -hmm. level kind of interaction and then kind of like uh, working down from there. Um, and it, you know, mm -hmm. it was like, why would you allow clawback, clawback, you know, like that's like against the ethos of, you know, um, you know, what we're, what we're doing here in crypto. But the reality is, is like, you, it's like, are you from that camp, which says there will no longer be anything centralized moving forward in the financial system? Or are you from that camp that, you know, maybe we're in a transitional time or maybe, you know, there is a place for centralization and there's a place for, you know, decentralization. Right. And mm -hmm. I think with Algorand, they were more on the on the kind of ladder to where maybe this is a transitional period and maybe, um, you know, maybe things will kind of coexist and maybe decentralization will actually, you know, augment or, uh, you know, um, add to what is there in terms of what's lacking in centralization uh, in that space. And so we had this discussion and, you know, I'm not going to say like that the adults in the room, they're not like. They're not, let me say this, like, they're not boring and they're not trying to do the very minimum, but I think they, you know, had a much longer term perspective that they were not going for the short game. They were really going for the long game. 
Um, and then you see that. But some things are very frustrating as well um, oh, yeah. in that, you know, they are, you know, focusing a lot to be super secure. So like the, you know, oh, right. uh, yeah, the, the area attack on a teal contract is, you know, it's very limited. And so like, yeah, you know, it, it's great. But like, can we do like a lot more innovative stuff on it? No, it takes a lot longer. But, uh, you know, for us, I think that was good you know and they're already at a thousand transactions per second you know right. they're looking to do like ten thousand transactions per second uh but you know that's possible because it, you know the structure is different as well you know um and this is why i think ethereum i mean uh, you know ethereum like absolutely the innovation is definitely there you know the binance yeah. chain is great um but algorand i think for the long term especially with all the discussions they're having with the central banks um, and they're having a lot, um, right. you know, in the long run, I think uh, they'll they'll provide that kind of more institutional level uh, kind of play for crypto. And, th and that's great. And, and I think that they fulfill a part, you know, like I'll tell you, obviously, you know, we're 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 partners with Algorand. So it's great. But I have a lot of bags in uh, Rune and I have a lot of bags. Right. in Polkadot. Yeah, because I think right. there will be that like cross chain, you know, um, usage as well. Okay, brilliant question there, Mustafa. Thank you very much. And a Thank very, you. very uh, uh, interesting and honest answer from Sinjin as well, which was great. Um, thanks for that. Um, that's a great it. question. Thank you. Um, so, actually, do you know what, Sinjin, you touched on there. You mentioned your bags, polka dots, and room, was it you said? Um, I guess I'll, I might ask um, Loriana, what, uh, what projects have you been super excited about recently? What... Um, because I did say in the title here, what DeFi projects are set to explode? You've uh, you're obviously in the space and listening to what people are telling you. What are you excited about? Uh, mostly privacy coins. Um, the the recent project that um, I explored was Hopper. It is a um, project that is all uh, based pretty much on Tor infrastructure. So they are trying to oh. to be a. a uh, competition um, but I don't really see uh, in privacy coins I don't really see competition I, I do believe it's more working together um, but everything privacy and I do uh, as of right now I'm more into this whole smart chain ecosystem so I'm learning that and, and hoping to, to become better and better um, and I do have a account that I uh, just keep in hold huddle mode more uh, than uh, you know exploring the new ones. Although there's a really cool website called Eco Drops, I do watch that very closely. Oh, it sounds interesting. I haven't heard Eco Drops. You said those are all new projects that are coming in, including Binance Smart Chain. Uh, Dodo, Dodo is, is a good one on Binance Smart Chain, we'll see. But those are experimental. Uh, for me, yeah. I, I, I try to just mostly learn uh, the Smart Chain and uh, from the Binance side, uh, there's a couple projects on it and also from VeChain, uh, the entire VeChain ecosystem I'm exploring. Uh, they yeah. have core docs as well. Awesome, brilliant! Thank you for that. That's great. Um, Hart, I don't know if you're uh, if you're able to tell us what your uh, what projects you're excited about. Um, uh, let let us know. Uh, that's a hard one, James. I don't. I don't. I. I mean, I'm just honestly, genuinely excited by the speed of the DeFi space. I think. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I don't have any like particular. I, I guess I'm I'm of this view that I think um, Ethereum or crypto is built for a lot of these finance applications first. And there's a lot of interesting stuff that emerges on top of that. Um, yep. And I think things like AMMs are, are, I mean, this is a no brainer. They've just become an incredibly powerful concept that has no parallel in traditional finance. So I guess the concepts that I'm most excited about are people inventing um, financial products and services that are actually new and I'd call like DeFi native that have no um, parallel um, in the traditional finance space. I think that stuff is wild and super cool. 
yeah and there's and there's so much of it happening all the time and like we kind of pretty much ascertained in this this whole talk is that um actually you know the fact that DeFi isn't super easy for everybody to get into has meant that we can have that experimentation um and uh, it's leading to more and more interesting projects all the time fantastic do we have any more questions from anybody in the chat before we wrap it up I'll just give people a second just to because I'm obviously not controlling the crypto pig um room yeah we don't have any james at the moment all right nice one cheers that's great all right then well I think with that said then uh I'd like to obviously thank all my guests today um if you just want to quickly give us your twitter handle so people can follow you uh, Lauriana, if you could just uh tell shout out your your uh twitter handle Lauriana Crypto on Twitter. Brilliant. Sinjin? Uh, yeah, Sinjin, David, Yung, uh, J-U-N-G, and that's it on Twitter. Nice one. And uh, Hart? I'm Hal2001 on Twitter. <laughs> nice one. Brilliant. Can I just say thank you very much to all three of you for joining me today. Really appreciate it. A fantastic, really interesting talk. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, you've uh, you've enjoyed the experience as well. And I'm sure I'll hopefully get some of you back on again in the future. Yeah, thanks, James. Thank you, James. You're thank you. you're an thank exceptional you. host. <laughs> thank you. I do appreciate that. Cheers. I'm going all red. <laughs> all right, guys. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Um, and I'll see you all, of course. Uh, obviously, if you're not following us on Twitter, it's at Crypto Big Media. Um, and I will hopefully see all of you in next week's talk. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it for tonight. Bye. Excellent. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thanks, bye.